Hey, football fans, do you want to know what happened this week in Hard Knocks? Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Guys, we're already halfway through the season. Obviously, it's only five weeks, so it goes by so quickly. But here we are in episode three, season 11 of Hard Knocks, all about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't believe it. We got to win, though. Preseason game number two, we got to win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was exciting and was a pretty good game. I got to watch a little bit of it while I was working the other day, and uh, they got their next game against the Cleveland Browns this Saturday. So hopefully we'll pull out another win and see some great plays. But let's talk about this week's episode. My name is Lindsay Wagner. You guys can find me on all things social media at Lindsay Wagner. That's L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y. W-E-G-N-E-R. Opening of this episode today, we saw Jameis Winston working with uh, Tim Grover, who's his personal trainer, and he says if he can do something, then it's not good enough for Jameis, and we see him doing what I called pop pull-ups, like these like swapping like pull-ups, which is crazy. I'm sure of it. A lot of the players do them, but I I haven't seen it, so it was great. And then the stamina drills were really, really great to see. Um, And the coach says, you know, the ball needs to become a part of his body. Another player we saw a ton of this episode was Maurice Fleming, the rookie cornerback. And we also see him doing some early morning practices. He's getting his motivation from Jameis Winston as well, getting out there in the morning, doing the ladder drill. And even the coaches are taking notice. Uh, John Hokie, the secondary coach, says he's got a hangry attitude. And Cutter says that Fleming is doing drills on his own when no one's around in the morning. And this is this shows his work ethic and his drive uh, to be a part of the game. Uh, we also see a couple of the guys in their off-day activities. Ali Marpet is, brings his ukulele to the beach and eats sushi and reads books. Then we see this little bit of a softer side of him. Uh, Quan Alexander is getting the red and his hair touched up. And Mike and Ashley Evans are having lunch. And we also see Doug Martin using his electric skateboard around his neighborhood. And during the practice, the kids are waiting for autographs from Martin who went, during the offseason was in rehab and will be serving a three-game suspension due to violating the drug policy. And I know I talked with you guys last week about uh, Jaquez Rogers potentially taking Martin's running back position and reps for these first three games, but they're really priming uh, the rookie running back McNichols to uh, – come up and take potentially some of these plays. We see that when uh, Deshaun Jackson and Jameis Winston are actually in their hotel room going over the playbook after the offense gets reamed by Coach Cutter, um, saying, go over the playbook. You guys need to work on this. And they're in there working on the plays, and Jameis is giving him tips and hints about, you know, keeping your eye open. You don't want people tracking you. Scan the field. Uh, So it looks like he really, really likes McNichols and is pulling for him to be taking over, uh, you know, leadership position and running back with Martin out. Um, the We get to Jacksonville for the ESPN production meeting, and a lot of the broadcasters are talking to the star player. So we see John Gruden talking to Jameis about how when he was working for the Packers, he was watching Brett Favre, and he'd hear Holmgren going, ah! oh, okay. 
I know how that feels because I watch those games as well, and that is exactly how you're feeling watching him play. He's just so unpredictable, the gunslinger that he is. And he says one of the you know complaints about Jameis is ball security and turnovers. And Jameis says that you know their motto is to own it, to be dependable. He knows that he needs to make the play effective when he has the ball, and he's learning when and who to take the risks with. We see him take a big risk a not-okay risk during the game. We'll talk more about that later. Um, and uh, Gruden even mentions during the game that he thinks that Jameis is an MVP contender. Uh, Rex Ryan is also there. He's working for ESPN right now. Obviously, he uh, got dropped from working with the Buffalo Bills back in January and will more than likely pick up a defensive coordinator position at some point because that's where his strong suit is. But right now he's working for ESPN, and he mentions to Jameis that you got all the players. What else do you need? And he says that he's got to trust himself and he can actually do great things, and he wished that he had a quarterback like him uh, when he was coaching. And something that was slightly off-putting for me this episode was hearing Mike Evans talk about the great athlete that he is. And it's not that he's a great athlete because he is. His size and his speed and his quickness all makes him a great, great wide receiver. Um, comparing himself to Jerry Rice... Randy Moss. Randy Moss is one thing because I can't stand Randy Moss. He didn't feel like playing half the time, so I I have no respect for him. But he said he wants to leapfrog players like Odell Beckham and Julio Jones this year, and I think that's possible as long as he puts his money where his mouth is. You have to make those plays. You have to make those catches. When the ball touches your hands, you can't let it go. It's your fault then. It's no longer the quarterback's fault. If you touch the ball, that is on you. And especially during that preseason game when they lost that touchdown because of that pass that he dropped, it was really frustrating, especially for him having this a little bit arrogant attitude. Uh, Rex Ryan also asks uh, Deshaun Jackson how much it would have cost them to get him to play for Buffalo, which was uh, interesting. In the pre-scrimmage montage, we see the quarterbacks talking about goat rescue because apparently the foul, they rescue goats, and Jameis says that if you're from Alabama and you have cattle, that actually means that you're rich. Do, do goats mean that you're rich? Um, Holly and Marpette are singing I Will Survive on the field. Holly said that that was what he sang for his rookie song when he first joined the team. Uh, the Bucks are dominating on offense and defense. Obviously, there's no keeping score during these scrimmages. And last week, I read an article that said a couple fights broke out during the scrimmages, but they didn't show any of that. Uh, they did show a little of the shit-talking from uh, Chris Baker this episode, um, not even really to the team as much as to the fans and kind of picking on the fans a little bit, saying they have to be the angriest fans in the world because do they even get three wins a year, um, <laughs> which was funny. Uh, as the day kind of goes on, we see the guys start to drag and lag, and Jameis actually yells at Peyton Barber, um, saying to not get into the hole, and he's like bringing him and saying, no, 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 look at me, focus, uh, make some noise, get another 10, don't take it easy on anyone. And LaFau actually, you know, goes up to Jameis and says, you know, it's not worth it. And I found this interesting, coming from this new kid, and Jameis has been playing for two years. I Jameis handled it very, very well, um, saying, this is a game. We compete. We win. Even in these scrimmages, we win. This isn't just about, like, letting it go. And LaFau actually apologizes, which was um, 
good. This is when Cutter says the offense wasn't ready to play and the special teams would have had three punts blocked. Um, so they need to look at the playbooks, which we see Jameis Jackson and McNichols doing with Grimes' sideline due to his leg laceration last week from the cleat, we know that uh, Fleming's going to get more playing time alongside McLean. And Mike Smith is getting him into the play, um, but he's got to stay on top. He's not necessarily reading the situations during this uh, practice. And as a rookie, you have to let the action do the talking. You can't do the shit talking yourself until you can actually prove what you're capable of and uh, he's he's obviously got a great determination and work ethic uh, moving forward for him and has has the ability to be quick. So um, um, we also saw during that scrimmage McCoy doing his little dance that we talked about last week. And this is the gray area. So he's yelling at the coach or yelling at the refs, throw the flag, throw the flag. And I want to see this, you guys. I want to see him do this during a game because I... I think it's, I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's a penalty in it, but the only way we're going to find out is during a game. He also arranged for food trucks to be there at the practice because last year they only had wings. So this year they had wings, they had barbecue, they had snow cones because who doesn't love a snow cone? And the comedian MVP of this episode is certainly defensive tackle Chris Baker um, for the multiple one-liners he had throughout the episode, but also for his uh, flirtatious dance with a palm tree. Um, you know what? Happy bellies mean happy players, and I can tell you if I've been fed, I'm far more happy than when I'm not fed. <laughs> Sound like a gremlin. Um, preseason game two against Jacksonville. Jameis, once again, showing his charisma, doing his pep talk, this little rhyme that he's got, uh, kick some jackass Tampa Bay. Um, oh, this is the only time to show them what they got. Do not rewind tonight. Fitz makes a little joke saying he liked the rhyme, but it was a little bit long. Um, we see a montage of Doug Martin and then making the touchdown. We know he's going to come in strong at game four um, when he gets off of his suspension. Although the coaches kind of talked a little bit about what are they going to do um, with him when he comes back, and they're trying to play it off, but you know he's coming right back in. Um, Folk's extra point is actually blocked. He does make two uh, field goals during the game, but then misses the final field goal at 47. So he's obviously, they still have some work to do there and some consistency issues to stick with there. Um, the defense was dominating the first half. Um, once again, like I said, Evan's not making that catch. Uh, you know, made them miss the touchdown, you know, and that's during a game, that's not okay, even now during preseason. But he does his uh, push-ups, he does his reps to make up for it. And um, then they make a comment, Leif Schreiber says, you know, not every pass will be caught, but not every cat, uh, not every, where is it? I'm sorry, guys. Um, not every pass will be caught, but you need to understand every pass shouldn't be thrown, so Jameis goes to throw, and he gets pulled down. And he's down, but he throws the ball anyway, and it ends up being an interception. And this is where you kind of separate the – and I'm not saying that he's an immature player. He's just still young. He's only got two years in the NFL. And you're going up against players like um, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, guys that have been around Aaron Rodgers, and – you have to know when to protect the ball and hold on to it to not lose it and to not throw it. And to throw into coverage like that and then get the interception, I mean, 
Cutter is mad at him. He said he got greedy, which he did. And he is a work in progress. And I do like that Hard Knocks is really showing us both sides. They're showing the charismatic leader that he is and the work that he's putting in and the time that he's putting in and the motivational speaker that's, you know, building his persona. But they're also showing him missing these plays and that he is a work in progress. And I, I do think that's that's great for us to see as a viewer. Um and um, Fitzpatrick ends up going in. He ends up throwing an interception as well. And Bolo is working hard to protect the six-point lead. He's jumping in. He actually stops a touchdown from happening. And Fleming gets to finally go in in this fourth quarter. And he gets this tackle, and right away you know something's wrong. He gets up. Something's wrong with his knee. He says that He's like, I can't really feel it. it. Like, it hurts. And he's running around on one leg, working with one leg here in this final um, drive trying to stop them final quarter and it's getting worse and as I'm watching him play I'm thinking you got to go out you're only going to hurt yourself more by staying in and he stays in and ends up blocking and breaking up this ball that would have been a touchdown thankfully breaks it up and then gets up and McLean actually uh, tells him that, you know, like, stay positive and, and you know, it's, it's worth it. And he has – his job is on the line, so I understand his staying in. But we'll – just give me a sec. We're going to continue with that. They end up winning the game 12-8. to 8, You guys know that. Um, and Coach gives them a little dose of reality when he says, how tired are you guys right now? Because multiply that by two. When you guys play the Dolphins – in the regular season, it's going to be twice as hard. Welcome to the NFL. Um, we know they're playing Cleveland this Saturday. Fleming gets his x-rays and is waiting on his MRI, and he says it's hard to jump in at the fourth quarter with the game on the line, which is true, to go in and have all that pressure on you. And he goes in to meet with Coach, and they say that they're going to put him on injury reserve so he can get his knee fixed, but this is obviously this ends his camp right there, and he's out for at least a month. And playing through this injury certainly exacerbated the injury itself. So, Mike, like, what do you guys think? Do you think that if he had, when he first got injured, maybe did one more play to see how he's feeling but knew it was hurting, to get out of the game right then and protect himself, could he have potentially been in sooner? I mean, I don't know if we would really know that. But it certainly didn't help with him going in, continuing to take hits, and continuing to make plays on one leg. Um, so he's going to remain on injury reserve until he's healthy or until they decide on a settlement for him, um, whichever comes first. And Coach really, really complimented him, saying he appreciated his toughness. He saw what happened, and the fact that watching the video, he continued to play even though he was hurt. He really, you know, knows that his mental toughness and his physical strength all really are great qualities. He's a really, really great player. It's nothing about his abilities. It's just about the injury, which to me makes it just super disappointing when you see a star player like that or somebody that's up and coming. He knows he's an undrafted free agent and he's just coming in and he's got to work that much harder to gain that position. So it's really disappointing when you get hurt and you can't continue. And it's not about your ability. It's just about the injury. Um, that was the episode this week, you guys. It was, 
it, it went by really quickly. And we didn't get much of a preview for next week aside from the annual Rookie Talent Show, which makes fun of our little MVP comedian this week, Chris Baker. Um, but two things that I want you guys to think about uh, are tight end race. Obviously, they're going to have Brait being you know their number one position. But there's been a lot of talk about rookie O.J. Howard taking a tight end position over Westbrook and Stalker, but there's also Auclair. And he was the guy we saw in the first episode sing O Canada. And uh, tight end coach Ben Steele actually says that he's been working super hard and has a lot of positive feedback for him. Says that he has a lot of growth or room for improvement in camp, but a lot of the guys do. But that he's a natural learner. So it would be great to see one of the rookie, him as a rookie, come up and, and take a tight end position as well. Um, and another article I read was talking about how Coach Cutter is letting the guys decide what they want to do when the national anthem is being sang. He said he's going to be standing at the 50-yard line with his hand over his heart, but he's letting the guys decide what they want to do and make that decision on their own. And Gerald McCoy praised him for letting the guys decide what they want to do and giving them that individual idea of what they want to do. And the fact, and he also admitted that they had an open discussion, a 20-minute discussion at a team meeting about their feelings and said if anybody wanted to talk about anything. I read that uh, Tampa Bay, um, the Rays, and another team all donated money to move a Confederate statue to a private cemetery. Um, and McCoy said, the issue right now is nobody's talking and we have to open this to talk about these things that are going on in the world. We have to create positivity and you can only do that by talking about it and working through these things. So a uh, really neat article. Let me know what you guys think about the tight ends. Let me know what you guys think about uh, Fleming going out. If you think that him not continuing playing during that game would have helped or if it wouldn't have mattered anyway, you guys can find me. And tweet me on all things social media at Lindsay Wagner. That's L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y-W-E-G-N-E-R. Or check out my blog, lindsaywegner.blogspot.com. We'll see you guys next week for episode four. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 